Welcome to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast, a place for stimulating conversation on the philosophy of liberty and natural law. We aim to promote individualism and self-ownership through productive discourse. With restoring liberty as our ultimate goal, here are your hosts, Derek Wills and John Galt. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast. Welcome back. I appreciate you coming in. Um, we've got a pretty good show planned for today. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I, I know that uh, I've been talking about crypto quite a lot lately, and um, we, have a, we have a special guest. If you're new to the show, my name is Derek Wills, um, and alongside me is my partner in crime, as always, Mr. John Galt. Uh, John, how are you doing today, sir? Very well, sir. How are you? Oh, I am. Uh, I'm wonderful. I'm blessed. I am. Uh, I I can't I can't complain. Life is uh life is doing pretty well. Um, uh, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you're well. Anything anything exciting going on in your world? No, and that's how okay. I like it. <laughs> that's how I like it. Um, I understand that. I get it. Um. So today we have a special guest with us. It's R.L. Breyer. Um, he is the author of not one but two books on cryptocurrencies that are actually really good for the the uh, somebody who's never been in crypto before explaining how it works and all of that. R.L., thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show, sir. Absolutely. I appreciate the invite to uh, join you gentlemen today. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. I appreciate it very much. Uh, before we get into anything, uh, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon. Uh, if you would like to support the show and help us spread the seeds of liberty, please go to patreon.com slash gentlemenforliberty. And given the topic of discussion today, uh, we also take uh, crypto do- donations on our website at gentlemenforliberty.com. Those go a long way to support uh, our projects and, and help us spread the seeds of liberty across the not only the fruited plain, but the world. So uh, that really means a lot to us. I want to thank everybody that's contributed so far. Um, seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, it it really means a lot. Uh, so, RL, first question, tell us a little bit about who you are, what got you into crypto, and uh, I guess your story. Yeah, sure. Uh, I started looking at, well, I was, let's start in the beginning, the very beginning, because I found Bitcoin uh, very early on, like a few months after it launched in the same year it launched. So uh, I was at, I went to Ohio State University and I was uh, studying English. I got an English literature degree there. And I was just, I don't know, English majors are kind of people that are interested in a lot of different things as, as far as I can tell, you know, people that I've met and went to school with and stuff. And I wasn't so interested in becoming a teacher going down that road I had a lot of other interests and I was studying, I started studying like Austrian economics and I was really getting inquisitive about how the world works. I've always wondered, I always wanted, you know, had a lot of interest in how the world works. So, um, around that time I was getting more and more interested in how the world work, how the world works and, um, found, you know, Ron Paul and things like that. And, uh, that, that sort of like was the exact time that I was just on social media. I think it was Facebook back then. Uh, I've been on Twitter since right around the time I found Bitcoin too, 2009. But uh, I was on I was on uh, Facebook, I think, or somewhere, and found an article. I think it was an article or a video. I don't even remember. I mean, it's so long ago now. 
but I found something related to Bitcoin and I, I looked at it and uh, I started, I read the white paper um, and I was like, wow, this is like, this has the potential to be, uh, you know, a revolutionary sort of thing that can change humanity for the better. So right away, I it something clicked in my head that this is going to change the world, and I started posting on uh, some social media outlets, you know, that I was buying Bitcoin and all that stuff, at, like almost every day for a couple of years. Uh, and then um, I really, I really got more interested in it when uh, Ron Paul ran again in 2012, and um, I started really putting everything together, the Austrian side of money. Um, Austrian economics, you know, sound money, the rule of law, private property. And I, I just, I really, and then it, then the light bulb really clicked. It was like, wow, this is, this is it. This is, I didn't have the, you know, the, the tech background yet in 2009 when I read the white paper, a lot of it was probably foreign to me, like it, myself, like it is you today. Like a lot of it seems like it's in another language. Um, so, uh, yeah, so then I started getting really interested in it, and um, you know, I was I just kept an eye on it for a long time, and then in 2017, I saw a lot of people being taken advantage of with a lot of the ICO craze and stuff, and I felt like I had the the, the economic background and the understanding of you know where this is going by that point to really start helping other people and uh, avoid them from getting ripped off by a lot of you know nefarious actors. A lot of times, people come in and they want to. They want to exploit new money in this type of you know uh, industry. So uh, I wrote the first book and published it in early 2018. The second one in I think 2019, and uh, I've been full time crypto for like four years now. So uh, I I have my own podcast, the Various and Numerous Podcast, uh, the Patreon um, forward slash RL Briar. And uh, my own website, Briar.io, where I post a lot of my podcasts and stuff. I do a podcast every month with my buddy in Belarus, who's actually uh, on on the move now himself because of the uh, the dictator there, Lukashenko. Uh, he's he had to like flee the country, so he's a huge Bitcoiner. And I've just met people from all around the world, like you guys, that uh, I've just become friends with, and I just find like this entire community just like fascinating. And really, I got into this space in the beginning for free markets, and I knew that the money would be like just you know something that came with it, you know. So, so that's a little bit about me. <laughs> that's a that, that's one hell of an elevator pitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, this is like uh, it's one reason that I'm like so anti Bitcoin maximalism uh, is because I. I really believe this is like our way to a better world and it's not just one thing to me like Bitcoin isn't just digital it is digital gold but for me I think we should have like payments and um, I think we need to like for want to scale economic growth if we want to have economic growth throughout the world and really create a better world and not just enrich ourselves then we need to have more than just digital gold and that's really where I think uh, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists have made made their uh made a lot of mistakes right on uh you used a few terms uh a little bit ago and for somebody that is, crypto is entirely foreign to them can you explain things like what is a white paper and what is an ico oh yeah sure uh icos have been largely i'll do i'll do the icos first icos have been largely um 
uh, pretty much banned. I, I'm in the United States. They've, they've had to get creative, and they, now there's it's it, it stood for stands for initial coin offering, and most of those projects are other blockchain other blockchain projects that launch atop of the Ethereum blockchain or another uh, smart contract protocol that allows you to make tokens easily. Like e- they're called ERC twenties, and there's variations of those as well, but. Uh, like for example, uh, Chainlink, which is in the top ten market cap, and my favorite one one of my favorite projects right now is an is an is an is a variation of an ERC twenty token that la- is launched on Ethereum. So, just to give a little backstory on how the ICO craze happened, uh, people saw you know the big boom in Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of the other projects and uh, the last bull market, and they started launching uh, you know just random companies basically on top of ethereum uh at that point it was mostly just ethereum and these are these are called initial coin offerings and then you know a lot of people got hurt and that's when i stepped in and was like hey i'm gonna try to write these books as fast as possible the first one uh and just you know and get out as much information as possible to people to make sure that they're not getting their money just taken from them as soon as they get into cryptocurrency because i didn't want to see you know the co-opt of what i think can be such a good thing for humanity uh, a white paper is just um, uh, basically an outline of these projects. Uh, they, uh, you know, anyone that is has any sort of validity puts together a team, and they come together and they they uh, come up with a white paper explaining their basically their thesis or their their goal to uh, to uh, you know what their what their what their end goal is. Uh, you know whether they're going to provide. Um, another sort of ethereum smart contract protocol where they can uh you know launch smart contracts or uh whether they want to be a privacy coin i've i've worked i've helped uh projects uh in the privacy space i've written for them about their coins and things like that but there's all sorts of new projects that are being launched in uh DeFi now which is decentralized finance which is going to replace legacy finance in my opinion like wall street here in the next decade it's going to really probably take hold we're seeing that now the DeFi space is really blowing up but any project that is they you know what is that saying that holds its salt or whatever is is definitely uh gonna have a, a white paper and i i've combed through hundreds of those and uh you know they you want to make sure that they're they're that, that's a good place to look at the team potentially or just see if there's any errors or any red flags that you might say, well, this doesn't sound right. You know, uh, what, why, why is this, you know, why is this word misspelled or even something like, you know, that, you know, something like, why does this look so thrown together? I've seen some that are even copied and pasted basically like for word, word for word, you know? So you just have to like do your due diligence in this space. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, uh, would you, would you say like a, a that a, if we're translating this over to like the uh, stock or, or mutual fund market, would you say that a white paper is similar to a prospectus or? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good analogy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so this sounds, and this is what kind of deters a lot of people is that it sounds like it's incredibly complicated. Like you have to know, all of these, like some people have, have even heard or seen at least one comment where it sounds like I need to know code in order to to really understand how crypto works and 
you know, to understand what it is that these projects are trying to do. Uh, and, and that could be a deterrent for a lot of people who wouldn't be super tech savvy, you know. Oh, you, I have to get a hardware wallet? I don't know. Like, what does that do? Things like that. So what would you tell somebody who might not be tech savvy in any way about crypto and how to get involved in it? Yeah, I would just say uh, make sure that you get in with some people that you trust. That's why I've tried to build my community up in you know the last few years. It's like you want to make sure that you are you are learning from people that also have your best interest at heart too. And I don't think I there you don't have to understand the code to understand cryptocurrency. Like it's like um, how many people can tell you how email works, or how many people can tell you about HTTPS, or you know, everybody uses the internet, but nobody knows how it works almost, you know, so <laughs> it's, it, that's what I tell people now. That's like, yeah, that's, I think that's what I would, that would be my response. Like, no, you don't have to know, read, be able to read code, but you might want to be like, uh, not jumping into something like brand new. If, uh, there's, you know, there's still a lot of these projects launching that can go like a thousand X in a couple of days or something like that. But what is the staying power of that? It's just, you know, it could be just a pump and dump or you just want to make sure that you're, you know, putting your money somewhere that, and I can't give financial advice, but I want to make sure I'm putting my money somewhere that, um, that has that staying power because I'm in it for the long game. There are projects that I think, you know, you do have the opportunity to get in and out quick, but I wouldn't recommend that for any sort of like newcomer. Right on. John, do you have anything? No, no, not at the time. I'm I'm listening. Okay. Well, feel free to jump on in. I mean, it is your show too, so uh, you know, don't feel left <laughs> out. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you, I mean, he's the guest and we're giving him the the floor to to speak about the subject. So, okay. All right, fair enough, man. Uh, I I I'm not no pressure and no judgment for sure. Um so uh I'll, RL, you, you you mentioned a couple of uh, you, you said that Chainlink is a project that you are interested in, um, and whenever you say that, and you said that it runs on the Ethereum blockchain, um, for again for new people, uh, how would you say the like Chainlink? and other Ethereum tokens differ from Ethereum itself, which is the second largest market cap crypto that's out there, second only to Bitcoin. So what what differentiates the two? Well, Chainlink isn't trying to be like a smart contract platform or a medium of exchange like, like Bitcoin was supposed to be. Or um, Chainlink is middleware. So basically there's this problem that exists in like, like computers and uh, computer programs and computer engineering where there's a need for a middleware product, which we call an Oracle uh, or Oracles to communicate data across different uh, from across different uh, actors, basically. So, Chainlink is is working to be that middleware product that allows DeFi to really flourish the way I think it can. It um, it's it's basically it's basically the pipeline. I I data is so data is like the new oil 
I'm sure you've probably heard it called that. And Chainlink is um, is basically the pipeline that's going to move that data across the world. And uh, they're working with like the World Economic Forum and all these different uh, companies. They have like three, four hundred partnerships now uh, to help create this bridge between uh, these different ledgers in the in in the legacy system and in uh, in and in DeFi and blockchain technology. So uh, I think it's probably the most important project in cryptocurrency and blockchain right now. And I know a lot, I got a lot of heat from that. I lost a lot of followers on Twitter and people that, you know, they know I'm like an old school Bitcoiner. And this time last year was when I actually gave a speech in uh, Pittsburgh in January last year. I think it was January 30th. And I was telling everyone then it was under $2 that I thought this was going to be like the future of, uh, of DeFi and, stuff and now we're sitting here and it's like just under $25 and hit an all-time high of $27 this week but really it's gonna yeah I'm not worried as much about like obviously as an anarcho-capitalist I'm not like a big proponent of the World Economic Forum I don't know what the World Economic Forum I don't think they have our I don't know if they have our best interest at heart maybe but uh it definitely uh it definitely doesn't hurt to add legitimacy legitimacy to Chainlink and um I look at it like this uh Chainlink is just another protocol, and protocols are used for good or evil. So I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of being able to bridge these DeFi projects to replace uh, legacy banking and these, you know, these these companies that we all despise or most of us despise. John, wasn't it the World Economic Forum that that uh came up with the that coined the, the phrase uh the great reset that you were telling me about yes sir several weeks ago yeah um i i don't think that i am a fan of theirs yeah <laughs> well they're, they're not yeah. a fan of you <laughs> yeah they're probably um, not a fan of either three i don't know john personally but i he's on this show and i have a feeling they're not a fan of any three of us so probably not yeah. um yeah. so all right there is this notion about crypto that and this is this goes back all the way to the beginning stages of bitcoin um and the propaganda surrounding it is that this is only something that drug dealers or hitmen are going to be using there is no reason that the common person should be engaging in cryptocurrency how do you address things like that Oh man, I'm like so far past that, bro. I'm just like I just I just laugh at people in their face now, honestly, when they when they say that. It's like, dude, if you don't get it by now, you're just you're just not going to get it. You're just going to be one of those people that is on their rotary phone, you know, in like 2020 or whatever while everyone else is running around on their smart computer on the in their pocket, you know what I mean? It's like it's the future. It's just it I you know, like we talked, like I just mentioned a minute ago, everything you know, all protocols are used for good and evil. So it's like, of course, people are going. To, of course, uh, deviant people are going to use it for bad reasons. But uh, you know how uh, how much how much uh, how much bad th- how many bad things are done with you know fiat money. You know, the, the majority of crimes. Everything. Are, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the majority of crimes are still obviously done with fiat currencies because they're not it's they're completely untraceable you know so it's like and bitcoin is a public ledger so 
that's really where I would just tell, you know, somebody like that, you know, it's not good to laugh in somebody's face. That was a joke, but I kind of would. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, Bitcoin's a public ledger. So anybody who's doing something like really shady is, I mean, this potential, they could potentially get caught. Now your name's not attached to that, but somebody's super smart. If you're doing hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions that, could be, you know, somebody could figure it out eventually, you know. So I don't think I don't think that there's as much criminal activity being that was ever done, and that it's being done on um on Bitcoin. You know, I I I don't know about you. I I saw a news article that they found large traces of cocaine on physical Bitcoin. Uh, oh wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> th- th- those were hundred dollar bills. I'm sorry, uh, I get confused. Was, was it planted by the CIA? <laughs> no, they they had no involvement whatsoever. Just you know, just like the recent coup attempt over in whatever country this was this time. Uh, you know, the CIA was not involved ever. They don't do that ever. So I want to I want to go, go back to. Um, a lot of people that I think should be in crypto, um, and obviously this is me personally because I'm I'm kind of you know I, I I got a fever now. Uh, they they give a lot of kickback. I had an interaction on Twitter re- recently that I found uh, just hilarious because I'm a gold and silver guy too, but this person was huge gold and silver and told me that. I should stop wasting my money on buying crypto because if the grid collapses, then I'm going to be up a creek. And it's like, I think that don't bash a good thing, right? So, so how do you, how do you, if you were to tell somebody who or approach somebody that is into physical gold and silver, might not have any opinions about digital currency at all. But how would you kind of pitch it to them if, if they have that sort of, uh, you know, I, I do want to hedge against the devaluation of the dollar sort of mentality. Right. Yeah, I would just say that, like, I'm all for competition in any regard. Like, that's what re- that's what the free market is supposed to be. So uh, I don't know if they just feel like it's their moment to shine and they're, like, pissed off that, like, crypto's here now and, like, taking over. And that's kind of how I get it. But I'm all for, like, I think holding precious metals personally is like i think that's a great thing um but on as far as like my as far as like economic growth and like actual like utility it's just not even a comparison to me it's like crypto is so much more useful in everyday life for the average person than 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 precious metals like and i don't even think peter schiff like would say that like gold is like he's going to use gold every day to pay for his cup of coffee or whatever like i think he has a gold credit card or something where he can do that but is he doing that i don't know maybe he is but i kind of doubt it like uh so and and i think that i mean we're living uh that was the title of my speech last year when i gave it before the world shut down it was like right before the world shut down was that uh uh sound money for the digital epoch and we're living in a digital epoch now like this is it we're heading there like we're in it but we're like really going into it now. So it's like, it's just not where precious metals are an analog world. And I think that there, you know, that case can be made that the grid goes down and you need, you need precious metals for barter 
or something like that. But if the grid, if the grid really goes down, we're going to have so many bigger problems in like your crypto or your precious metals. It's going to be like guns and food at that point, <laughs> in my opinion. It's like, that's really it. So, uh, I think that the competition is what makes it all, all beautiful and all good. Like I want to hold them all. I want, I want gold. I want silver. I want Bitcoin. I want chain link. I want Ethereum. I want all of the things that provide me with some more utility to create more economic growth, you know, and like empower myself. I, I feel like blockchain technology is the most empowering technology that we've probably ever seen and we probably will ever see in our lives. I don't really think that there's any chance of like that being surpassed in our life. Like there'll be different projects that pop up that might surpass Bitcoin or Ethereum. But like as far as like blockchain technology like that is like the great unlock of value. So I saw, it was probably a few months ago. No, it was, it was probably six months ago. Uh, but Congress was toying with the idea of creating a truly digital U.S. dollar. Now we do this to an, to a large extent with you know fractional reserve banking, which John is the biggest fan of. By the way, John is. <laughs> Uh, he yeah. loves fractional reserve banking. I, I really do. It's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, I mean to to be able to create money out of thin air is is mm -hmm. it just wonderful. But this idea of going to a truly digital U.S. dollar, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that's actually how. <laughs> I opened up one of my books. I can't remember which one now. We're heading into this digital age, and like, there's definitely going to be this co-opt attempt, and that's really what I view these like digital dollars or digital fiat central bank currencies. Uh, they're going to be they're going to try to change the narrative that that these digital currencies are good now. You know, after they're doing their best for you know more than a decade now to completely like you like you mentioned they they had the narrative all over the news and. Bitcoin is only used by drug dealers and criminals and people that you wouldn't want to invite to your house for dinner. And now we're going to head into this time where they're going to completely change the narrative. And it's going to be that you have to use their their centralized fiat currency. And the dollar is already digital, technically. I mean, yeah, 90 percent uh, of dollars are digital already. Right, right. The, uh, a lot of the dollars are digital. I don't know the percentage, but a lot of them are now. So. Uh, they're gonna and that really what that's about to me is that is really like the 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 final step for the one of the final steps for the state or states to uh, it's gonna be like total control for them. They're oh you got out of line. Well, we're just gonna shut your dollar off because the, you have to understand. Uh, people have to understand the difference between decentralized ledgers like Bitcoin that run across all of these different computers. And so, you know, all these different computers across the world that are mining these currencies that keep them decentralized and without a central point of attack. Okay. And that's what, that's the real, the real scary part about them wanting to go into these centralized currencies, these, uh, you know, central, central, uh, banked digital currencies is that you could just, you could get, you could, we could say something they don't like, you know, and Austrian economics or whatever, you know, we, we're seeing it everywhere today about the censor, censorship and stuff all across these platforms. And it's just going to get worse until it gets until there's a breaking point. And I mean, imagine that they can just shut your money off. 
I think that's really where we're heading. So I, I really believe that's where that's going to end up eventually. It might not happen in the first 10 years. might not happen in the, first, the second 10. But eventually, somebody will get in there that wants to shut your money off. And I'm sure it'll happen in other countries, uh, maybe before it happens in the United States. But at the end game, that's what I view it as. So that's why uh, the education on crypto is like so paramount that you have to understand why these things are why there's value to begin with you know why why they have value and they have value because no one is in charge of bitcoin for example now a lot of other projects like bitcoin is the most decentralized there are all these other projects for the not all, 99% of them have a team that you can look at and say they're in charge but even bitcoin has people that uh update their protocols and stuff like that blockstream is basically in charge of that now so, um, yeah, none of these things are trustless. A lot of people like to say Bitcoin is trustless, but it's trust minimized. Nothing is really trustless on the Internet. So, uh, yeah, you just want to make sure that, like, you understand the difference between, you know, centralization and decentralization. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, especially I think one of the most attractive things for anybody that is, uh, even if they're not tech savvy, is the fact that it's open source because even if they're not tech savvy somebody else is and if there is an issue with uh, the protocol itself or anything like that you know a red flag will be raised publicly and you know it it can be handled it can either be handled or it can destroy that entire you know that that entire crypto for for being so vulnerable or so shady or what have you Whereas I highly doubt anybody in the Federal Reserve is going to say there's an issue with this and, you know, it makes asset forfeiture exponentially easier. Nobody's going to do that because they're they're, they're going to be the ones to be like, hey, let's make asset forfeiture like way easier and put it in the code here. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point about open source. uh, You know, I wouldn't... uh, you, that's the beauty of where we're heading in this world is that you can get in there like you mentioned and just look look at, have somebody look at the code or you can look at the code if you know about it and you can see that you know this isn't some shady project that's just out to steal your money John do you have any any questions you want to jump on it? uh I do um so would you would you essentially say your primary interest in bitcoin is as an decentralized alternative to the fiat currencies that are currently promoted by entities like the International Monetary Fund, the Federal Reserve, the World Bank, um, to to give individuals a, a, a greater level of autonomy and control over their finances? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so I think that Bitcoin has like emerged... like. One of the reasons that it has done this is because there was it, it, there's been a narrative change. If you read the Bitcoin white paper, the very top of it says peer-to-peer digital cash, and now it's become peer-to-peer, well, not even it's digital gold essentially. With the, the transaction, big, there was there's there was a scaling debate over Bitcoin over the last ten years, and uh, there were proponents that were for scaling Bitcoin for uh, for larger blocks to encompass more transactions. So there'd be more throughput and allow the economic growth that I view Bitcoin as like what it should be. 
but they wanted a lot there were the people that wanted to keep the block size small one and it is more secure but it doesn't allow for the cup of coffee transaction that i was hoping that it would be able to do in the beginning so now we're going to have these altcoins like there's a handful of altcoins that i think that are going to fill this void of, as a medium of exchange that are that are really going to create the economic growth and then i think that bitcoin will be like the the um the the digital gold that it's become and people will probably just want to store value not financial advice not financial advice but uh the, that'll be where people store their value and um uh this still allow like somebody in an, a very underdeveloped country or <laughs> even us as americans i'm an american uh to um store value as as you know 30 percent of us dollars that said have been printed this year and uh obviously that can't happen in perpetuity so uh you know the us went off the gold standard in 1971 just to get off topic for one second and since then you could just look at the the you know how much we've lost our uh, uh in purchasing power over that time so i think people are just going to end up and you were seeing this now, like look at Michael Saylor, who owns, uh, he's a CEO, creator of micro, micro strategy. He's dumping billions of dollars into Bitcoin because I mean, he has billions, he has a, you know, a billion dollars or $2 billion. I think he had a billion when he got into Bitcoin and then he doubled his net worth. It took him like 50 something years to make a billion. And then he doubled his net worth in like, um, a couple months or something like that. You know, it's like incredible what's happened over this last, last year, but as more and more Michael Sailors, you know, the Michael Sailors of the world show their belief, I think we're going to see more of the average Joes. Like I have a buddy that, you know, I've got a lot of friends hitting me up now that had no interest in crypto. They're buying like coins that I wouldn't recommend, but they're just getting their feet wet. So Bitcoin will be that store of value, I think. And I, I think stuff like, and it's important to also understand like that, Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash, all they're also public ledgers too. So what I think is going to happen, I've I've become more of a proponent for privacy coins. So uh, I think I think more transactions. I think for a uh, unit of or uh, like unit of account medium exchange, it's important to be able to um, have a private ledger for numerous reasons, whether it's payroll or just we want our privacy it's none of anybody's business what we're spending our money on so for a you for bitcoin to can't be truly fungible the way it is now because it's public but these privacy coins can be so the reason i say that is because bitcoin is fungible in the beginning but as soon as people start trading these coins and more coins get traded back and forth you have the opportunity uh to gain to get like a tainted coin and I don't really know very many people that have, but there are these circumstances where you get a coin from somebody who did something wrong and somebody could like try to make a problem out of that. So I think to be truly fungible, you need to get into something that is a private ledger. There's a number of those coins now, something like Monero or the one that I, you know, did a little bit of, I helped with is Epic Cash. And it's like an, it's like the new, uh, it it has a Mimblewimble protocol. It, it utilizes Mimblewimble, and that's like more of a um, uh, scalable protocol. So it'll it it'll probably allow for people to eventually run like nodes, like the entire block blockchain, 
on their cell phones. I think that's where we're heading in the end is like everyone's just going to run a copy of the ledger and they'll be verifying their own transactions on their cell phones in real time as they go wherever they're going across the world. That was a really long-winded answer. <laughs> no, no, it was no, it was it was perfectly fine. I I think the reason why I ask I think it's important to to uh regardless of, you know, individual skepticism surrounding uh cryptocurrency or or Bitcoin specifically since that's probably the one that the majority of people are most familiar with is is a is a name brand is to uh, highlight the strength of the ability of the use of this technology to um, exchange the the fruits of your labor without it having to be subject to the swift financial system <laughs> or any <laughs> or, or or any um or any centralized um means that is is controlled or monitored. So that's 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 why I posed that question, and uh, I, your answer was perfect. <laughs> appreciate that yeah it was a good question because i because i think that's i think that's the probably the biggest benefit um because because you know many people because the, the thing about bitcoin is as any new technology that comes around it it there are there are many speculators okay. extreme levels of uh, extremely volatile speculators and 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 they come in and their their whole well their primary goal is to come in and get out, right? Um, which is you know I don't I don't begrudge them for that, but uh, the long term strength is 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 in its ability to um, uh, for well essentially private use. Yeah, that you mentioned speculation and stuff. It's um. There, there's definitely that aspect too, like that people are going to come in. It, they're just, it, it's like it's just a tool. It's just a, a fresh market, and there's not a lot of, uh, you know, government interference, thankfully, so far. So you're going to have that too. I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with you on that. It's important to touch real quick on the, um, the cycles too. Bitcoin has these two or th- three-ish year bull bear markets. And they've been pretty pretty calculated so far. So you can, I pretty much knew when we were heading in like to a bull, another bull market. And I made you know you go through my YouTube channel. It's forward slash YouTube dot com forward slash Pittsburgh Hodler. You can see a lot of my early videos that I made. They're embarrassing to go back on. Obviously, everybody always feels that way. But uh, you know you grow. But yeah, I, you you can kind of gain these this perspective as you've been in the space a little bit longer and get these timings down. I think that we're, there's like this new, there's a lot of people that are saying we're in this like new paradigm since we're seeing like, you know, Michael Saylor dump a billion, a billion plus or whatever dollars in and these other CEOs and hedge funds and everybody wants Bitcoin right now. They're saying, Oh, this is a new paradigm, new paradigm. Uh, we won't have the 90% plus drawback after the all time high that we've had in the other, in the other uh, bull markets that Bitcoin has seen. But I still think we're going to see at least a 50% drawback from the top, wherever that ends up being. Uh, I'm not in the new paradigm, complete new paradigm uh, camp, I, but I think we the volatility is going to be a little bit less, which eventually will turn Bitcoin into like less of a speculative thing 
uh, and pl- people will go play in other assets probably to speculate on. Because in the beginning, Bitcoin ha- would have like 40, 50, 60% wild swing days. And now already you're seeing that like a 10% day is like crazy now. So it has the speculation in Bitcoin uh, in particular has definitely um, cooled off, I would say. Well, I have a I have a question I think would be useful uh, for the audience, of course, since we're discussing the well, the cryptocurrency in, in, in its various forms, where if, if someone was interested in in in, in introducing themselves to uh, the, the, the power of this this new technology, where where would where let's say where would you go by so you were talking about Chainlink so where would you mm-hmm. go by Chainlink or where would you go by Bitcoin you know where where what what because obviously you're you're not getting that on the New York Stock Exchange so uh, where where would be the the individual's opportunity to you know get in on this 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 new technology as you know as you said if 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 only as a as a hedge against inflation right. Uh, best places in America probably, uh, for me are Coinbase and Gemini. Uh, those are two pretty respected companies in, in the United States. Uh, there's also Binance US. Uh, you can't use the main Binance site because this, it's not allowed to operate in the United States. But, um, yeah, those are two really good ones that, uh, a, a newcomer could figure out pretty quickly. Always make sure you set up two-factor authentication um, when you sign up, and you obviously want to use a good password and all that stuff since you're dealing with digital money. Uh, you mentioned not having the ability to get these things on the regular you know, New York Stock Exchange or legacy market, and it's funny because that stuff is actually coming in the way of Grayscale. They're, they're a fund that are allowing people to... Um, to get some exposure in the legacy market through their their company like they have like gptc and things like that where it's like you you can get some exposure to bitcoin but but you don't actually have to take control of your private keys uh your private keys is like your money it's just like a a, a, a variation of numbers and letters that is is your money basically so uh, you know, the older people who don't want to really learn about that stuff, maybe some of them are like, well, I'm about to retire. I'm not really interested in learning about cryptocurrency and seed phrases and all this stuff. I'm just going to gain some exposure through the legacy system. And that's really what these companies like Grayscale are doing. And there's one, there's a company, another project that I'm interested in called Alliance Block. Its ticker is uh, the dollar sign ALBT. And it actually, I wrote about it in the newsletter today, uh, just teamed up with the London Stock Exchange to provide some uh, partnerships in there and stuff. So a lot of these, there is going to be like a bridge between the old and new world, but um, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, obviously, obviously uh, just stay mostly in DeFi, but it is nice that you know, they're going to have to, I, I feel like they, uh, these banks and stuff, it's like they're going to capitulate because they have to. And we're already starting to see that now. They, um, The Ethereum um, the Ethereum uh, market cap, well, Bitcoin market cap is uh, $715 billion. The Ethereum market cap is $181 million. I mean, these are like the size of like some of the largest companies in the world now. So it's really just like... Um, you know, there's really there's really no 
no doubt in my mind anymore that this is the future uh and that you know these these companies are gonna you know these old school legacy companies are also gonna have to figure out a way to get into this market a little they'll just be left behind you know I'm, i i looked up uh alliance block and um it's kind of interesting the past 30 days it's doubled in value um it it looks like according to CoinGecko that it launched in early September last year at like 17 cents and it's currently trading for uh just shy of 60 cents. Yeah, uh, I I started writing about Alliance Block um 7 or 8 9 weeks ago in the newsletter it was 9 and a half cents when I first published it in the newsletter for the first time and it hit 99 cents last week so it has really exploded in the last couple months, and uh, I think it, we just saw the retrace. You know, it, it it was due for a little consolidation, as I mentioned in the newsletter today. I put out a newsletter every Sunday um, that it was due for a little pullback. So, I th- but the way it climbs, I don't I don't anticipate it. Uh, like I said, no, I can't give any advice, but uh, I don't. I'm not personally anticipating it to uh, you know stay down long. What is it, so for those who are are more of legacy investors, you know, whenever you purchase a stock, the price is, you know, it fluctuates a lot on the company's performance, right? How did they Mm -hmm. do on their quarterly financials? Did they exceed expectations? Did they come up short on expectations? Crypto is not like that. I mean, you have these companies that do these things, like you said, Chainlink, uh, building these oracles to mm-hmm. uh, bring information into the blockchain that's not blockchain affiliated, uh, things like that. But they're not reporting financials that's going to affect the price of their token. What is it that causes the, uh, I guess, the confidence and the rise in price or, or lack of confidence in the value of a particular coin or token? Good question. Uh, this is, this would, I would draw on my Austrian economics studies in this one. I would say just like John mentioned speculation. A lot of it is highly speculative, but it is also mixed in with utility for smart investors. So if I see something like, uh, Ethereum that I know that like the entire future, uh, decentralized financial system can be built atop or Zillica is another one that I'm really interested in. Zillica has sharding and allows you to do the you know the bulk transaction throughput that ethereum is tr- in the process of scaling their technology now because the uh, gas fees gas that you know are outrageous right now on ethereum to do a transaction um they the, you know it's all about uh subjective value at the end of the day what people you know what people view um what what people view as value and utility um and you know what how can this make my life better uh and how can it make everybody's life better i think that's really what the at the end of the day um investors are trying to figure out in these projects where you know um where they're going you know since like you mentioned there's no quarterly meeting or you know uh financial release of what you're what, what you did like in the legacy markets I've, i like your perspective on um well the the advantages of the of cryptocurrency in terms of advancing human freedom. I think that's really, if nothing else, I, I think that's, that's highly, uh, uh, highly valuable because, well, 
the decentralization, I, I would say probably my number one concern, though, there would be um, I, I don't feel some of these uh, entities will perhaps fall as uh, easily as um, some want them to. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the uh, kind words there. Yeah, I think that um, they've really given their best shot, in my opinion, like the banks and stuff. Uh, J uh, J P Morgan, uh, Jamie Dimon really, really made himself look bad. In my opinion, uh, just talking so bad about Bitcoin numerous times over the this last decade, and even like, uh, Bur- you know, and said negative things about his own da- daughter for buying Bitcoin. It was really strange. Um, he, you know, and then they, we find out that. It, these banks have been buying it all along. <laughs> so well, they're they not knew, silly. They're <laughs> yeah, they they they're not yeah they're not dumb. But they thought that they then they thought that they could make their own coin, and they were working on like J.P. Morgan coin or whatever it was. I don't. It's like no, we're not like the people that have been in this space for a long time aren't just gonna aren't just going to. Uh, it's not just about having a digital coin like. If it was just about having a digital coin, we'd just, you know, you know, it's just ridiculous what they, they, they don't seem to get that, you know, people are waking up and that's one reason that, um, that they are so, they have to limit what people are allowed to talk about, like free speech and stuff on these platforms now. Is it like the genies out of the bottle that like fiat currencies, their shelf life on average is like 30 or 40 years. If you look at like all the fiat currencies throughout the world, they always fail. It's like apodictically certain that that fiat currencies will fail eventually because governments can't be trusted they cannot be trusted to to not debase their currency over time it is like it's a rule it's like a law that this will happen like it will happen we have so much evidence so yeah it's like that's the beautiful thing about bitcoin is there's nobody there like it's written in the code we didn't talk about that the uh it's written in the code you know it's 21 million finite supply and that's it. That's all. There's no bailouts. There's no, oh, we didn't, you know, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Morgan on Wall Street, Joe J.P. Morgan uh, was gambling with, you know, with your money and he lost and he kept going. They call that the Martingale strategy too, where they go and they make these bets and they lose and they just double down and double down and double down and they lose eventually. Like they're going to lose. And there's just like no one is going to come in and bail out Bitcoin like the banks had to be bailed out. So 21 million finite supply, that's it. And then you have to take into consideration also that people are clumsy and everyone makes mistakes. And I learned this the hard way in the early days in like 2010. I was running a full node and all that stuff, but I still didn't understand like how to take control of my like keys and all that stuff and left them on my hard drive and like i donated to everyone else's prosperity because my hard drive died and my keys were gone and this is like really even before hardware wallets existed so it was really early on in crypto so like those coins are just i donated them to the you know the ether you're everybody's welcome i made you all a little bit richer because there's like <laughs> glass node is a company uh, is a uh, company that looks at this data and there's like estimated like four to six million coins uh lost right now i think you know so the total number of bitcoins is 21 million finite supply will ever be mined and create you know created but there's probably only to ever be like 13 million or 14 to 15 
million actually around at once. Yeah, it, you know, it, 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 uh, so I read a news article recently. This guy has, uh, I think he lives in San Francisco. He's got like $220 million worth of Bitcoin on his hardware wallet, and he lost his keys to it. Like, oh, my he, God. Yeah. Like, he, he said that he has like three password attempts left, and he doesn't have his seed phrase. Uh, and, you know, if he, if he, if he enters his password wrong three more times, yeah, right, those see, that coins customer are... service at Chase would be useful now. <laughs> there, yeah, there are there are some uh, there are some uh, people that are really good at like trying to get return your keys. I have a friend; he's actually in the Patreon with us. That is he he's really good. He works for Microsoft. He's he he's good at trying to help people out like that. Um, he's he's had. He has had some success a few times. I don't know the numbers or anything like that, but I think it's like 5% or something maybe that you might be able to, like hopefully that guy's smart enough to like reach out to somebody smarter than him (laughs) that knows how to get those keys because that has happened to a lot of people throughout the course of Bitcoin. So whatever you're doing, this is really good advice for everyone listening that is just getting into crypto. Make sure that you write everything down that is integral to your money because this is your wealth. So make sure that you put it down somewhere in a notebook or I wouldn't recommend putting it on a computer because like I just mentioned my story or, uh, you know, security issues there. I would just make sure that, you know, I have a friend in uh, Switzerland who makes these stainless steel tablets and you can etch the, your uh, seed phrases and stuff in those. That's one. That's one good thing. Like in case, like they're fireproof or whatever, waterproof. <laughs> that's another idea. There's a lot of stuff being created, so make sure you do your due diligence with uh, security of your of your money because that is the scary part to like the boomers and stuff. It's like they've had these legacy systems like looking after their money, even though they've like just been you know fractionally lending it out. You know, if they actually showed up and said, hey, I need all my money, and they had a lot of money, it's going to be very hard to get your money out of the bank that day. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with crypto, and that's that's where it gets a lot of flack from people that aren't pro-responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Of, you know, lack of a better term, I'd say. You know, RL, this has been such a great conversation, and I, I feel like I, it could go for another couple hours. Easy. Uh, but I do want to shift gears real just to wrap things up, I want to kind of go into a more philosophical aspect of this whole thing. Um, obviously, this is, I'm, I'm just asking your personal feelings on it, but uh, how do you think that uh, cryptocurrencies could, let's say the US dollar collapses or gets eliminated, all fiat goes away, uh, you have how do you think that the crypto market uh, would function like that? How would banking itself change if the dominant mediums of exchange transformed from these currents, from these fiat currencies that are government printed to mm-hmm. these uh, cryptos that, uh, like you, like you pointed out, have a finite amount, and if you if the guys lose it, then it's lost and it goes up in value even more. So how how do you think from a from a philosophical speculative standpoint how would the whole world change if we started using crypto over fiat? Oh man, we're going to head into like the most prosperous era ever. Um 
I love that question to end on too, by the way. And I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. John, thank you. Derek, thank you for having me on. No, thank you for uh, being here. I would say that, man, I draw on a lot of my Austrianism here. So I'm a big, a big Austrian school guy. And I just look at like the state, you know, it's funny because today we have communists and prog progressives in quotations that are, um, they're territorial monopolists. Okay. <laughs> and these people aren't going to just give up their power. Like John, uh, you know, alluded to a, a few minutes ago, whether they're banks or they're, they're just people that like live off, you know, parasites basically is the way I put it, uh, that live off of the production of other people. So it's going to be a different world. I think we're really, I think money is just money is just, okay. So there's the Bitcoin network and there's Bitcoin, the currency, and um, money, Bitcoin, the currency is just an application, a decentralized, a DAP, a decentralized application on top of the Bitcoin network. So what I think is going to happen is that as we've already replaced fiat currency, that is just the first application. We're going to see other applications being built like on top of Ethereum or Zilliqa or DOT, Polkadot that are going to replace things like education, law, private, pro you know, things that create more competition in the end so we can create this private law society for people that are ready for that. I hope that we all, all of us people that believe in freedom go, can go somewhere where we can like live in this place where private property rights are like, you know, sacrosanct and that um, we all live in this like private law society where you know there's not the same people you know coming to uh give you a speeding ticket or whatever that determine you know this you're guilty your guilt or innocence so i think we're gonna have competition in just everything i think it has it, it really is like the beginning of like a real competitive society like judges have no competition today you know what i mean so it's like i think we need to set up these structures where uh all agencies compete for our our money and we just get rid of these territorial monopolists and we just have this prosperous society and people that don't want to play by those rules we just excommunicate and uh if you, if you don't i actually you know used a hans Hermann hoppe quote the other day in the in the in the patreon newsletter i always add a, add a, a quote to start the letter that these people if they don't play by our rules well you're just out of the group and, you know, people that there just has to be a way to do that because otherwise we're just going to keep repeating the same, you know, missteps that we've done throughout history uh, and government just continues to grow until we all end up on bread lines like in the USSR. Yeah, you know, you know, I. I'm not quite as optimistic as you are, but I, I certainly like your vision of the world better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to take a lot of time to get there. And a lot of education, I think, by people like us that are like so pro liberty. But uh, I'm, I, you know, this is a really dark time with the Great Reset, like we talked about and stuff like that. But I am optimistic because I think there's enough good people out there that are like not watching TV all day uh, that are like working on the hard stuff. Uh, we just got to convince like the other people like why it's the way and like why, why um capitalism is not like exploitive or whatever you know exploitative or whatever the people want to say you know 
you said something that I, I have to ask about because some communist somewhere is going to <laughs> possibly listen to this and he's going to have this question. I, I would, I would very much hope so. I, w- I still have the open invitation to any anarcho communist or just outright communist that wants to come on the show and have a, co- a, a talk. It's still open. If you're out there, come on in. But, uh, you, you talked bad about monopolies <laughs> yet. You're talking about capitalism. And isn't the goal of capitalism to have a monopoly? Good question. It is. It is the goal of every company to be a monopolist, but it isn't it isn't it isn't through the the framework is what is is what people don't understand. The only the only way to gain a monopoly a, a monopoly Used to mean a government grant or privilege before they, the neo the neo progressives stole you know just like they stole the term liberal. They always change the language. That's like part of you know a communist's like playbook. They have to like change the language of everything. And a monopoly is just a government grant or privilege. So the Jeff Bezos, Amazons of the world don't don't get as big as they are under a free market system ever. There's just it's you don't compete away. There's the competition allows for you know every you know Joe Smo down the street to run his business without Amazon completely taking it away. You know, so it's it, it, they, and the, and, the, and the greatest monopoly on the world is the government because they have a monopoly on violence. <laughs> so then they get a monopoly from that stems every other monopoly. So yeah, the people don't really understand that a lot of you know a lot of communists and stuff. They're like, well, you're. You're a monopolist. You believe that's a great point. You believe in capitalism. You're a monopolist. No, actually, I believe in voluntary exchange, which is the true definition of capitalism: peer-to-peer voluntary exchange. Thank you for thank you for saying that. Um, thank you for someone else being being able to articulate that. I I, I try to stress this. I try to stress this constantly when I talk to individuals that. The root of capitalism all is is centered in voluntary exchange and property rights. That's it. It it doesn't exactly mean any. It doesn't literally everything else you're attributing to it is is ideology and um, propaganda. It you, you all it means is I own what I produce because it is produced through the fruits of my labor, and I can voluntarily exchange it um, for. Whatever I choose, whether that's we're bartering or I'll take some gold or I'll take um, Bitcoin in exchange for this product that I produce for my labor. Um, it, 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 it is not it isn't nefarious. It, in, in fact, it's it, it's actually the opposite of nefarious. It, it, it empowers the individual and it, it, it empowers uh uh, individuals uh, through voluntary exchange. That's uh, well said. That's how America became, you know, the bastion of freedom that it used to be. You know, we were the world's richest country in the world because we had very little government and very little, re- you know, regulations and stuff like that. And it's just like people have totally lost their way. We we just became too. Uh, you know, that's another. That's a completely another podcast about education and stuff. But you know, we just weren't vigilant. You know, the majority weren't vigilant. Yeah, and it's sad. Um, but I think that's a perfect note to to end on. Um, I, RL, you've been, you're fantastic, man. I'm so happy to know you. I'm so glad I that we met. It. 
Oh yeah, you've been a really good friend to me too. So I appreciate all you've done. Uh, you know, you and I have been friends now for a while. So I appreciate you, and it's good to get to know John a little bit. I hope we can do it again sometime. I I, I am absolutely down with that, John. I I think that would be uh, of value to all parties. Uh, positive value, right? Not negative value. <laughs> <laughs> positive <hope> value. <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know we. Uh, we've been trying to get into a habit uh, on this show uh, because a lot of what we talk about is pretty negative. This has been a this has been a great show. I, I love it, but I still want to do this uh, ending focus on something positive in uh, in your life uh, because it's so easy to focus on the negatives. So, uh, uh, RL, I'm going to ask you first: uh, What are some positive things in your life that? Uh, um, that you feel that you need to highlight uh, that, that that what are what are some of your blessings basically? Good question. Yeah, I, I I consider myself a pretty blessed person. I have a good family structure that I you know I was lucky to have a good family growing up, and I still you know I'm close with my family. I have an excellent dog that I love a lot, <laughs> and uh, you know I'm ble- I'm blessed and thankful for my friends too. And uh, you know it's funny the older you get, you kind of I still have a I still uh, am in contact with a lot of people that I went to kindergarten with, believe it or not. And I uh, went to dinner with one of my buddies a few weeks ago from kindergarten. We've been friends since we were five years old, so it's uh it's just a, it's just good that there's I, there's still a lot of great people in the world. You just you just got to be fortunate, I guess, enough to just have been around them in your earlier years or even meeting people like you guys, you know, just try, I try to, uh, be thankful for the, uh, the good people I run into. I'm a pretty good judge of character, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed person. Right on. John, what are some, uh, what are some wonderful things in your life? Well, I'd like to, I think, uh, I, I, <laughs> I focus on, well, the simple things. Um, I have my health, um, and the health of my family and, um, I'm gainfully employed and I'm, I'm able to, um, um, care for, for that family that is, uh, of highest value to me. And so those things are remain remain strong and positive and absolutely i'm very happy about that yeah and and the thing is those it it's easy to kind of for people to kind of gloss over the wonderful things that they have but that is seriously you really don't need anything more than that you know i have i have my wife i have my three dogs i have a, a house i have um i have a great job i have i'm able to provide for them and you know just all of these wonderful things in my life that uh, that I try very hard not to take for granted, and that's really the the point of this little segment at the end is to realize everything that you have. Um, for everybody listening, take a focus on the positives because those those are what really matter. Um, so yeah, uh, RL, one, real quick before before we we let you go, one more time, how can people find you on the uh, interwebs? Uh, my website is Briar B R Y E R dot I O. That's it dot I O. And then my uh, my Patreon Patreon dot com forward slash R L Briar. 
And I'll give you one last link. It's my, uh, I already mentioned the YouTube earlier, forward slash Pittsburgh Hodler on YouTube. But my uh, Twitter, which I'm really active on, um, is uh, at rbryer, R-B-R-Y-E-R, 2-3. Alrighty. And I'll put all these in the show notes for you guys so you can uh, you can get to them easily. All right. It is that time, ladies and gentlemen, that we raise our glasses. Uh, RL, do you have, do you, you have anything to drink with you? I got a cup of coffee right here. Awesome. Well, if you are at home and you don't have anything to drink, pantomime with us. Otherwise, we raise our glasses and we toast for liberty. For liberty. liberty, Which is also my dog's name. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Gentleman for Liberty podcast. Join us at patreon.com slash gentleman for liberty to show your support. Patrons get access to bonus content, can suggest show topics, and more. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gentlemen for Liberty, and on Twitter at Gents the Number Four Liberty. Be sure to check out our blog GentlemenForLiberty.com and sign up with your email address for updates. Please rate our podcast in your app. And until next time, we raise our glasses to you for liberty. This has been a Gentleman for Liberty production, hosted by Derek Wills and John Galt. Copyright Gentleman for Liberty 2021.